Hello and welcome to this week's edition of The Edge, the official podcast of Bassos Television, brought to you by our good friends at Ditchwitch. Bassos Television is on the World Fishing Network and will be back on the Versus Network in January 2009. But hey, don't forget, all you Canucks up there, we're on Wild TV as well every week. Hey, I got my good friend Aaron Martin alongside with me. Aaron, I understand we're going to be talking with uh, Steve Kennedy this week. Absolutely, and he's going to dive into a topic I think is the first time on Bass Edge, and that deals with fishing your personality. So it'll be very interesting to see what Steve has to say about that. I'm not going to say a word. I'm just going to move on. We're also going to have a good Inside Edge segment for you. And uh, we're going to learn all about rods this week, and uh, we're going to hear with Drew Patterson from American Eagle Rods on that. And we've got a whole bunch of other stuff. Aaron, you ready to go? I am. Let's get rocking and rolling. All right, folks, it's all right here for you on the S. You're listening to The Edge, the official audio program of Bass Edge. Brought to you in part by Ditch Witches On. Experience the revolution. Oh, look here. I got one. I got one. Look here. <laughs> I mean, he whacked that football jig. The blades will dictate a lot of times the speed of the retrieve or the depth of that bait. Oh, good fish. Good fish. Did you see him come off that log? Woo, look at that son gun, man. That's awesome. You know, you've got to just stay active. Fishing is not easy. Oh, man, that's a toad. This is unbelievable. All right, welcome to The Edge Outdoors, Dan, Aaron Martin here, along with uh, a whole bunch of other things. And uh, Aaron's uh, been out in California playing with avocado trees. <laughs> what else has been going on? Uh, uh, it, a lot. I tell you what, it is uh, everything that uh, I thought it would be great show, uh, not only on both on Clear Lake but also on the Delta. So uh, I'll be anxious to uh, to share a lot of that with uh, our listeners and, and viewers uh, down the road. So, Did you make it to In-N-Out Burger? I did. Yeah, now, now come on. Compared to White Castle back home or Crystal's down, now I don't want to make anybody mad down south, but compared to White Castle's or Crystal's, how did In-N-Out stack up? Oh, no question. Yeah, yeah, you were right. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, give credit where credit is due, yeah. and uh, your, your uh, culinary eye and taste buds uh, certainly served us well on, on that recommendation, I can tell yeah. you that. You know what, I, sometimes I might have trouble hooking up a Carolina Rig, <laughs> but I know my burgers, You man. do know your burgers. Yeah, so that was all right. Hey, uh, I understand that you got an email from somebody down in Texas. Yeah, I, when, as we do this, obviously, we, we get a lot of uh, positive feedback and, and kind of hoping, you know, that you're making some, we're making some impact and, and helping people uh, really raise their skill. But, you know, this email, I've got to tell you, uh, from Jason down in Texas concerning Jay's book uh, was pretty awesome. And I don't want to dive into a lot of it. I don't want to read it verbatim because uh, he didn't give me permission. But, you know, Jason shared that uh, basically when, after he uh, went through Jay's book and really applied a lot of the things that's laid out in there, uh, he kind of gave a listing of, of where, where he finished at in the standings in years past, and he kept very meticulous records of kind of tracking uh, his progress. And so hats off to Jason. I, I'm so glad that he has had that type of success, you know, with Jay's books. And uh, I know Jay and I had a long conversation about it, and, and Jay was just bouncing off the walls. And, yeah, that, that's just kind of a testament to, to the process. And so congratulations, Jason. I'm glad it's uh, working working for him. There you go. I ran into a good friend of ours uh, the other day, and uh, his name is Jeff, and I'm not going to say his last name, but you and I, he took us to dinner one night, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, I understand that you're going to be seeing him in Oklahoma. Yeah, actually, down for the Perry Celebration. It's like a two-night rodeo. They're OSU uh, right there out of Stillwater, which is just outside of Perry. has a big football game. They're doing a parade. We're going to have the trucks and the boats and tents and all kinds of stuff they're expecting i know all the hotels for miles around are sold out so i'm looking forward to uh 
getting down to Perry, Oklahoma, and hanging out with all of the Ditch Witch crowd and the people there from Oklahoma. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Well, I tell you what, that's a lot of good stuff going on right now, but we need to go check in with Steve Kennedy. And, folks, I really think you're going to enjoy this interview. It sounded like a lot of fun. Yeah, here. it's no, no question. I, I promise you, he did deliver the goods on this one. All right, folks, we'll be right back after these fine words with pro Steve Kennedy right here on The Edge. Give any type of boat the edge with MegaWare Keel Guard. It's simple to install, and we can now beach our boat anywhere. If you own a boat, you need one of these. MegaWare Keel Guard protects the keel of your boat from sand abrasion, from underwater obstructions, even concrete boat ramps. Kit started under $140, and best yet, it's guaranteed to keep on protecting for life. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. Thanks, MegaWare Keel Guard. Welcome back to The Edge, brought to you in part by Ditch Witches Zon, establishing a new standard in trencher power and versatility. Hello and welcome back to The Edge, and joining us for this week's Angler Spotlight is a man with 27 top 10 finishes and three wins, and that is Mr. Steve Kennedy. Steve, thanks so much uh, for being part of The Edge. I'm glad to be here. You know, Steve, uh, you've had quite the successful career, and really a great year. Of course, I know you're pretty hard on yourself, so I'm sure you you have something to say on that, but you know, you've been fishing two tours now, and my question is, how in the world can you stay competitive and uh, continue to do what you do? You know, actually, I think like, I'm, I'm a little more competitive because I've been able to fish more. You know, a lot of these guys spend a lot of time promoting, and uh, I'm actually on the water a lot more than a lot of guys, and uh, I think it actually comes through in the end as a better performance. There, there are certain events I don't get to practice as much. You know, I'm only had one day of practice for this FLW championship just last week, so it you know it has an impact both ways, I guess. But certainly having fun doing it. Yeah, well, and and I, I guess you know you have the relationship with your family to where it works out well, also. Right. Yes, my wife gets to travel with me. My dog Louie gets to travel with me, and uh, we're actually expecting our first kid coming up here uh, in October. So we just bought a house. Oh well, congratulations. Thank you. We've been living out of a motorhome or a truck camper or even even a tent there for a while. So, uh, yeah, I was going to say uh, kind of the the history there, I, th- I think, uh, from what you were telling me, is you started out in a tent and then migrated to a truck camper onto a motorhome for about the last seven years. Is that right? Right, yeah. We put everything we own in storage when we decided to do this, and uh, I swore I wouldn't get out of storage until we bought a home. I wasn't going to rent. So, yeah, we've... With seven years, we've been living on the road, fishing, and uh, having a blast, actually. Yeah, and uh, w- was it a tough decision, you know, to, to kind of, you know, now start establishing, or I should say reestablishing, uh, some of your roots there? Uh, ah, yeah, it was a tough. I quit an engineering job to go fish for a living. It was <laughs> a tough decision, and uh, my wife's been supportive, and uh, honestly, we've spent a lot more time together. It's made us stronger, and uh, having fun doing it, honestly. Well, and that's the main thing, you know, and a lot of times uh, you hear us talk about here on The Edge about, you know, following your dreams, you know, pursuing your passion, and, and that's that's really what you did by stepping away from your career. Right, and, uh, you know, I put a lot into my career as far as getting that engineering degree, and uh, but it just, it wasn't fun, I guess. We had an opportunity to go with FLW, and uh, it's been a good thing. The question that I always kind of look at in, in talking with uh, anglers like yourself is, at what point did you use to say, okay, or litmus test did you say, okay, now I'm ready? I mean, is there such a thing as, as you know, 
just saying, okay, I'm ready to hit the tour? There was a turning point for me, and, and that goes back to when I was fishing the BFLs. I was fishing as a non-boater for years and years, and you could fish. It was a boat-on-boat draw, so you got to fish in the front of the boat for half a day. And, uh, you know, back then, the only boat I owned was a little bass tracker aluminum boat. So uh, I could go fish with these guys, get in the front of the boat if I had some fish. If I didn't, you know, I'd sit in the back all day kind of thing. But uh, I think it was 2000 they changed the format to that Pro-Co format. and. Right. Uh, Co anglers came out of the woodwork. I don't know where all these guys came from, but uh, I remember being on the waiting list for the first tournament and didn't get to fish it. And uh, the second event, you know, I signed up earlier, but I ended up showing up. I'm still on the waiting list for the second event, but they said, we can get you in as a boater, but not a non-boater. And uh, I remember thinking, you know, I think I can get the live wells working. It's 17 <laughs> feet long. It's only got a 40 horse on it, but uh, if I want to fish, i got to take my boat. So uh, over the course of the next year, I ended up winning the Super Tournament at the end of the year. I won the first tournament the following year, and then I ended up, win- ended up winning two Super Tournaments. I won one in the Bulldog Division and then another one here in Alabama in the Choo Choo Division. Back-to-back weekends, I won two more super tournaments. I won like $25,000 in just a year's period of time fishing out of a little aluminum boat. Right. I, I, I did upgrade to a 50 horse at some point in there. <laughs> but at that point, you know, I'd always said I wanted to do it. I almost pursued it straight out of college, but uh, I put it off. And but yeah, that was the term. I told my wife, if I can get in, we're going to do it. And uh, I remember I got the paperwork that we were in, and she's like, when do we leave? And I went, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't planned on her quitting her job also. But, yeah, well, I mean, it, it was a great thing. But, yeah, that was, I mean, it was pretty obvious we were ready. And you've never looked back since. I never, never. Well, you know, you have regrets every now and then. <laughs> I, I can't say that. But, uh, but no, we, we've been having a blast, and it's starting to pay off. Well, and congratulations to you, because I think, you know, there's a lot of motivation for a lot of us out there by looking at kind of how you've done it and the way that you've went about it. And uh, it's truly just a pleasure to, to sit back and, and watch your performance and watch you pursue your passion. You know, speaking of which, with fishing two different tours, both on the FLW Series side and then also the BASS Elite, you know, obviously you fish a lot of bodies of water and you're fishing under a lot of different conditions. Love to get your opinion and feedback. You know, are you kind of of the school of thought to where, you know, you need to be a jack of all trades or more or less a master of one when it comes to the techniques and, and your approach to the water? Uh, actually, I try to master a lot of techniques. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there are guys who make a good living, you know, being a master of one bait. Fritz with a crankbait or uh, Denny Brower with a jig, they come to mind. But, uh, you know, if you want to be, you know, up there at the end of the year and the angler of the year point, you need to be versatile. I mean, that's, that's what I try for. But, uh, but, you know, you're trying to master these techniques. I'd be just good at them. Sure. Well, and would you say that would be the same advice that you would offer to just recreational anglers? Yeah. I mean, you know, it takes time to learn them, but, you know, may want to start with one technique and master it, you know, one at a time. But, uh, you know, you eventually get to the point where it's pretty easy to master the others. It's not like you're doing something all that much different, I guess. I sure. Mean, you're still throwing it out and reeling it back in. So uh, once you've mastered a couple of them, the others start coming pretty easy, I think. Well, and, and kind of keeping that same thing, one of the items I think that you can help us out a lot with is just walking us through uh, your your practice and, and tournament preparation leading up to an event. You know, um, there's so many questions out there and so many different schools of thought that you hear in the media, um, but I think we can glean a lot from that as recreational anglers. Perhaps you can just start from kind of ground zero. 
Well, I mean, for me, I'm going from event to event to event. I think we just came off three in a row. I think the most I've done is like six tournaments in a row. So I don't get to do a lot of prep for each individual tournament. You know, I have everything in my boat pretty well organized, at least the center section is. And then I got another side over there that's just stuff for that event that I've just thrown in on top, and there's no organization to it at all. Organized chaos might be a good way to put it. But, uh, but uh, you know, I, I don't get a lot of prep time, so uh, I try to keep everything organized with certain stuff I use all the time. And then uh, I typically don't practice as much as a lot of these guys. My wife's traveling with me, so I like to spend time with her. So I, I'll typically only practice like two days for a tournament. But, you know, I pick my days. I pick the good days. You know, like at Erie, the wind blew so hard one day. I mean, it's you're going out there, you're beating up your body, beating up your equipment, and, you know, the second practice day was just gorgeous slick and uh, really covered a lot of water. That's probably key to what we're doing. I'm covering so much water than a lot of these guys, looking for something special. You know, you get to a point where you're pretty confident you can go catch fish. I can put the trolling motor down anywhere and catch something, I think. You know, I try to cover a lot of water looking for something really special. I mean, something I can pull up and make one cast or two or three casts. No, I'm going to get bit right there. If I can't call my shots, if it doesn't, you know, there's not some pattern to it. Or I mean, I just don't even look at those kind of stuff. When you say you're looking for something special, is it one of those deals where you know it when you see it? Or is this something that you have preconceived notion based upon past experience? You know, what are you using to determine that that is something special that you found? Past experience has a lot to do with it. And, uh, I, you know, Kentucky Lake comes to mind. Every time I've been there, it's always been one... Uh, on the north end of Kentucky, down there between the dam and the bridge. And, you know, I've got, I've fished, you know, a bunch of strands. I've won two FLW events down there. And, uh, you know, I went out the first practice day of bass down there, and it was a struggle to get bit. I mean, I know these places pretty well, and I caught some fish, but really wasn't impressed. But once you got down toward, like, Paris Landing down there, mm-hmm. you could pull up on any any spot, you know. I won't say they were everywhere, but when you found the right pattern, you pull up and you catch one first cast, second cast, third cast. You can catch as many as 50 in a row. It was just, wow. it was easy. And that's just, but just my past experience down the other end of the lake, I knew I needed to move pretty quick. I mean, it took me less than half a day of running my stuff. But this is not what it's normally like. But where most guys would run to the next spot, which may be a couple of hundred yards or a mile away, I pick up and run 30 miles. I mean, the lake, we're fishing on such a bigger scale, I guess, with something like Kentucky Lake. So, so you really have to follow your instinct and, and not be scared to make a major adjustment when it's called. Make, yeah, make some, make a big move. They're not out deep. They must be up shallow. Or I mean, and do those moves pretty quick if you're not getting bit in an hour or two. But, you know, it, it takes a lot of experience to get to that point, I think. I talked to some of the pros. I mean, they they said they fished three days out on Kentucky, never found a school of fish. Somebody's got to be telling these guys where they were. And uh, one of the guys that co-anglers that practiced with me was sitting there, and I'm like, we found five or six schools in an hour that day he was out with me once we figured out what they were on. You know, it takes a lot of experience to get to that point. A lot of guys don't realize how bigger schools you're looking for i mean they pull up and catch one or two and get pretty excited they may catch 10 or 15 in a day but the first day of kentucky up there i think i caught 120 bass oh my goodness and i was catching them every cast and left i mean they're not big enough so it's a whole different ball game that a lot of guys don't realize what we're doing and you don't see it on tv typically either so when you say covering water are you are, are you basically idling along, you know, looking at your graph or on the trolling motor nonstop, or are you physically making cast while you're covering this water? 
Typically, I mean, when I'm practicing, I'm not on the trolling motor. Why? That's not the way I'm doing it. I'm doing it with a big motor. I got that, uh, I mean, we got that big side skin hummingbird. That one's been a, it allows you to make one pass across the spot and see the big structure, the big stuff. Doesn't do a good job of showing fish to me, but no, it, you're looking for those key spots. You know, something you pull up on a point and there's a big rock out there and or a big stump or something. And if I can hit that stump, and don't get a bite. It's not worth fishing the rest of the point. I mean, but like at Kentucky, Kentucky's the one I've done so well at. I mean, those kind of places you pull up, you know, a point or a, where a creek comes in or something. If you make one cast without a bite, I mean, there may be some good fish there, but it's not really what you're looking for. Gotcha. And then once you get in an area where you found the fish, like that whole area down there around Paris just seemed to be loaded with fish, then you start picking apart which spot's got bigger fish. You know, I may be looking for a spot that doesn't have as many bites, but they're bigger. But, you know, in general, you're trying to find the area of the lake that has the fish. Well, and, and quickly here, when you talk about, you know, since you have limited time on the water and, and, and preparation, how much time at your level, do you spend on items such as, you know, map review and, and off-the-water preparation? It depends on how, you know, how often I've been to a lake, I guess. A lot of these lakes I've been to 5, 10, 15 times now. And, uh, you know, I won't even pick up a map even when I get to the lake. I could probably draw it on my hand. <laughs> I could probably draw you a better map than the ones we can purchase, actually. Uh, but, you know, and then there are others that we've never been to before. And then I'll, you know, I, I'll order maps. I'll order three or four different maps you know, whatever I can find on it. And then I'll actually get on the Internet and read what I can, you know, fishing reports-wise. You know, typically there's a color that's unique to a lake or a, a bait that's unique, and it usually comes out after you read. You know, one individual little fishing report may not tell you that, but you start reading a bunch of them, hear the same thing over and over and over, you start picking up. But uh, So you're kind you of know, looking for I, repetition then, like in the, right. the research that you're doing. Yeah, as an engineer, I'm numbers, patterns, and numbers, patterns in fishing come out. That's what I'm looking for. I don't, I don't typically call anybody. I don't have anybody that I get help from. Certainly don't turn away help, I guess. And I, don't, <laughs> I don't pursue it. I never, you know, I don't call the local guys. I, I don't feel like I've accomplished anything if I, if I did, you know what I mean? But sure. On the other hand, I like to talk about fishing. So I, sure. I'm not going to say I don't ever hear anything, but, uh, you know, early in the career, it, it was harder, I guess. But, you know, as it's come around, it's paying off because I know stuff that a lot of guys don't, sure. don't hear about, I guess. Well, and in, in our final question, do you set the hook on fish during practice, or do you have any thoughts there? Rarely do I set the hook on the first day of practice. Going into it, I don't know how good they're biting. I don't know what to expect, so I'll shake off most of what bites. As practice goes on and I have to make decisions about where to go back to, you know, then I'll go back and recheck them and I may stick a fish or two, you know. But that's after I've got tons of fish, you know, like Kentucky Lake where i got all these places. Then I'll go back and start sticking some. But uh, someplace like Oneida where we just came from, I led the first day. A lot of those fish I shook off and, you know, had a pretty good idea how big they were before I went back trying to catch them. And uh, it's almost like hunting. I mean, you've been around, you've looked. You know, I'm going after only fish over three pounds, and sure. and they may not be in exactly the same spot, but, you know, I, I may catch them on a different bait where they were under a dock at one point, and they'd be over there under the grass, but I'm pretty confident that was the same fish, because you'd come back for two or three days after the fact and never get another bite. But, <laughs> yeah, right, right. But, yeah. yeah, the same fish I shook off in practice, I was able to go back and catch, and uh, if you catch them, oftentimes you can't go back to them, but there are other guys, I mean, some of them 
like the smallmouth lakes up at Champlain, you get up there in June or something, and uh, a lot of those guys will catch them off the bed, weigh them, know exactly how much they weigh, put them back, and, uh, I mean, they'd bite the next cast if you wanted them to. Sure. I mean, there's times when you catch them and times when you don't, but uh, in general, I I shake off a lot of fish. Well, and speaking of time, Steve, uh, unfortunately we are out of that, but I uh, would like to just extend a, a thank you for uh, spending uh, this time with us here on the edge and definitely wish you best of luck in the upcoming FLW series event there on Champlain. So uh, once again, thanks so much for your time and uh, we look forward to doing it again in the future. Glad to do it. You know, Aaron, I'm seeing a similarity between a lot of the different pros out there. Boyd Duckett, Pete Pons, um, James Niggermeyer, and Steve Kennedy and some of the other guys that we've had on. They are very, very very sold on the fact that they can be masters of different techniques. They are not going to just stick with one or two. And it all goes back to what we've been talking about for, what, two years now, versatility. Yeah, no question. And, you know, the funny thing during that interview is when I posed that question, I, I think I asked it something to the point of, you know, do you prefer to be a jack-of-all-trades or the master of one? And I think his exact reply was the master of all. And, uh, you know, that's exactly what he looks looks at is, is trying to develop his skills across every discipline within uh, bass fishing because bottom line is that's that's his drive and that's what he feels that he needs to do to be successful. But you're right. I mean, if you look at all the top pros, both on the national scene as well as regional pros or, or even really good recreational anglers, they all share that common theme. And I thought his breakdown of, you know, practice days outlining step-by-step what he does leading into a tournament um, was really eye-opening. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. And, you know, I love his story. Uh, you know, spent uh, seven years with camping without yeah. a home. He sold his house because he knew that's what he wanted to do. And they lived out of a tent and a truck camper and then a motor home, and they just got a house. And, you know, I was doing a seminar this weekend, and I had a young man. He just graduated from college, and he goes, I want to do what you do. How do you do it? And, you know, you sit there and say, well, you know what? If I can do it, anybody can. Sure. So, you know, don't let anybody tell you that you can't do it. But here's the thing. You know, it took me 11 years to get, a, you know, to where I am today. And for, it took me five or six years before I really started making a living at it. I worked for a lot of weekends for free. Yeah. And, boy, people just don't realize that. Well, and, and I thought Steve did a good job of pointing out, you know, it wasn't the fact that he had to live out of a tent and move into a truck camper, that type of thing. But he was willing to do sacrifices, and he wanted to really put himself on a fast track. Now, does that mean that that's the only way that it can be done? Absolutely not. But what I thought Steve did a great job of pointing out, that's what worked for him, mm-hmm. and that's what he had confidence in, and he was willing to do that. And now, you know, after seven years of doing that, you know, they're back into the house. They've still got the motorhome. Got a new baby on the way, so congratulations out to them. But, yeah, I thought he did a good job. And that that whole conversation, you know, about uh, fishing the way that he does and what he does for uh, practice and things like that, I thought it all tied together very, very well. Yeah, I think that's a neat story, I I tell you. And it's not an uncommon one. I mean, there's a lot of professional pros, you know, people out there that are considered pros in the hunting and fishing industries. They were successes already, but they totally just started over. And It's hard to do that. Well, it it is. And, And one of the things that those who know Steve, I mean, he's one of the few anglers that are known for making his living with his his rod and reel. In other words, he, he's not as dependent on sponsorship. Matter of fact, he'll come out and tell you, you know, his public perception and, and involvement there, it's not that he doesn't like to do that, but he places so much emphasis specifically on his fishing, and that's really what he goes after. And plus, I thought his scenario, you know, that, hey, he was kind of in the engineering, you know, world, and therefore his analytical brain, and, and that's how he, you know, kind of works. He's not into all the creative things, and, and that's why some of his sponsor obligations 
are built around you know what works for him and uh, very very methodical. Yeah, good interview, folks. We need to take another break. When we come back, we're going to go into the inside edge. This uh, week, we're going to learn about what rods. Aaron really likes to use, and a great rod company. Is that correct? That is right. Um, actually, I do use American Eagle rods, and uh, uh, brought Drew on because there's so many different, uh, you know, thoughts and ideas out there. And uh, so I wanted to get uh, his opinion on what uh, specific rod is needed for what technique and what's a good universal rod. All right, folks, we'll catch up with Drew and Aaron right here on the Edge. You've got the truck. You've got the toys. Now it's time to get the hitch that gives you more time to play with both. It's the toe and stow receiver hitch by B&W. You want options? Select the ball size, adjust the height to level the trailer, or stow it out of the way in just seconds. It's 10,000 toe and pounds worth of durability, convenience, and the latest technology that has made B&W famous. The toe and stow receiver hitch by B&W. Call 1-866-BEST-HITCH. Welcome back to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Inside Edge. And joining us today is Drew Patterson of American Eagle Rods. Drew, thanks so much uh, for being part of The Edge. Well, thanks for having us. It's great to be here. You know, Drew, we get oftentimes a lot of not only questions, but then also guests, you know, talking about uh, different types of rods, whether to use technique-specific, um, you know, really diving off into numerous, I guess, avenues, if you will, uh, concerning rods. And, and I wanted to have you on here just to really help us kind of, I guess, wade through some of the uh, things that are out there concerning rods, if you could help us do that. Sure, that'd be great. What would you say is, is kind of the difference between, you know, there's, there's a lot of rods that are on the market. Where does an, an individual angler need to, I guess, kind of start when considering a rod purchase? Well, I, I guess it all goes back to what the angler is wanting to do. I mean, you have different levels of anglers. You have basically your weekend anglers. You have your, you know, your serious tournament fishermen, um, and and those two types of anglers can can definitely go a different route when they're looking for fishing rods. You, you know, your everyday weekend type angler is you know not going to need the most sensitive rod the lightest rod out there they can get away with a little a little less uh, graphite um, and you know get out and, and do what they want to do um, you know pond hop uh, if they want to uh, uh, go out to the lakes and fish and you know just have something that's a little bit uh, more durable and on the other hand you have your tournament fishermen who are very very they want the best equipment they can possibly put in their boat to give them that advantage over the next tournament fishermen, especially when you're fishing for some of the money that's on the line right now for some of these weekend tournaments, any advantage you can get, you're going to want. And that's where we really come in. Um, I kind of look at it as the meat and potato. We, we, we kind of uh, build a uh, rod out there that uh, it's really high modulus. It allows for a real light sensitive uh, blank. We do it in basically four different models. Um, our most popular model right now is what we call our XE series, and it's a uh, split grip uh, where the uh, four-piece is actually split with a butt cap all the way up to the real seat, um, and we leave the cork off the foregrip to add some sensitivity and, and reduce the weight as well. I, I personally, uh, when I'm out fishing, um, you know, I, I do a lot of tournament fishing, and I'll have, like everyone else, I'll probably have... 15, 20 different rods on my deck when I'm out looking for them. But once I get zoned in on them, you know, I'll, I'll put that one or two rod that I'm fishing with, and I'll have it on the deck. And uh, typically what I find myself fishing with 
is uh, a seven foot medium heavy or a seven foot heavy, and that's that's kind of where we're going with uh, our direction in our rod company right now. Is is uh, we're we're trying to build the lightest, most sensitive rod out there on the market, but yet have the strength and the durability to handle some of the you know the mishaps that happen. You know the rods on the front of the deck. Uh, your partner's up netting the fish. He accidentally steps on it. You know you don't want it to break right then. So we're we're doing our best to uh, meet the whole gamut and build a, a really high performance fishing rod. Well, and and I know certainly um, you get a lot of input and and receive a lot of input from the field. Uh, you know, as as you're well aware, Bass Edge is kind of stays away from you know some of the the endemic sponsors. And you know, when when I was presented basically with using and the opportunity to use the American Eagle rods, I mean that's one of the things that I can say is when you have a rod in your hand, you know, for that long of time, you want something that is not going to create arm fatigue, but also you know doesn't sacrifice the the sensitivity, but still have the backbone to be able to get the fish into the boat. Exactly. So when you get into things like the technique specific is there a greater advantage to to picking out a rod you know that is is let's say designed for throwing just a frog or throwing a crankbait that's where you get into the specialty rods uh you get it right on the head uh a crankbait um there are many different techniques as far as crankbait you have your your small crankbaits you have your mid-sized crankbaits and you have your 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 bigger crankbaits depending on what you're throwing and depending on what kind of a setup you want um, you can get into a number of different uh, rods. Uh, we, we do graphite blanks for crankbaits. We also do uh, a, the new e-composite blank, which is basically a mixture of graphite and glass. It's a little heavier than your, your typical graphite rod, but yet it allows the angler better action as far as hookup goes. Um, a lot of times what I found in, in my own experience, and, and I don't know about you, but when I was fishing strictly with just graphite rods and I was throwing crankbaits, I had a lot of tendencies to uh, miss quite a few fish, and the more I got to looking at it, the more I got to thinking about it and talking to people, what was happening was the graphite is a lot more sensitive than your composite because it's solid graphite, and I was basically pulling my bait away from some of these fish and, and doing it a lot quicker. Once I went to a composite rod, what I found was I was the fish was actually loading up on the rod before I was actually pulling away from them, and my hook ratio went up quite a bit more. Now, again, there you have your, your advantage and your disadvantage. Your, your advantage of that is, obviously, you're not going to feel the bite near as quick as you would as a, on a graphite, solid graphite, but... You also, I think your hook ratio goes up quite a bit. Well, and that's one of the things that I look at is, you know, it's, you, you first have to obviously get the strike, but once the fish is on, you know, you've heard it many, many times, the frustration is you get the fish on and then they lose it. And, and I think people often underestimate, you know, not only the quickness of, of your own reflexes, you know, if you're fishing topwater or something like that, how quickly you can actually jerk that away from a bass, but also then once that fish is on of fighting the fish, of allowing your you know, the rod to do the work for you. And we have used the expression on here numerous times. It's, it's kind of like golf. You know, you're not going to use a sand wedge to hit something off the tee box. Exactly. So, it, I mean, if, if, you look at, if you look at more or less like a, a diving board, uh, when, when you're jumping on that diving board, the way it loads up, uh, when you jump, the diving board doesn't stop. It keeps moving. And that kinda, that's kind of how I look at a fishing rod. I mean, you have that energy. It's got to go somewhere. And when you load up on that fish to set the hook, if you're fishing with a graphite rod, I mean, all your energy is just right there. And uh, when you're when you're going with a composite rod, 
your energy's there, but it's spread out basically throughout the majority of the blank. Well, I think that's all great information, Drew, and unfortunately we have reached our limit. But uh, before we get out of here, how can our listeners really find out not only information about uh, American Eagle rods, but also uh, seek about getting one of those in their hands to kind of feel and try out for themselves? We have our website is uh, www.americaneaglerods.com, and they can get a hold of us here in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Our phone number is area code 918-437-7637. Fantastic. And we also have an email. I mean, they can send us an email at support at americaneaglerods.com. Okay. Well, any closing uh, thoughts before we get out of here, Drew? Well, no, I, I appreciate the, the time to come out and talk about it. And, you know, if, if anyone has any questions whatsoever about the rods or where they can buy them, I, I know that uh, BassEdge.com, you have an Ask the Pro session, or section out there where uh, they can actually send some questions in, and, and you can help out that way as well. Yeah, most definitely. We'll get those sent out to you and uh, uh, go from there. So, Drew, once again, thanks for your time, and we'll look forward to uh, talking with you again in the very near future. Thanks, Aaron. It was great. When I'm fishing in a tournament, time is critical. I need fast, easy access to my lures. My Cook's Go-To Tackle System keeps my bait organized, tangle-free, and within easy reach. It installs in minutes under any deck lid, maximizing the storage space in my boat. And its durable construction lasts even through the harshest conditions. Get organized with Cook's Tackle System by calling 1-888-390-8780 or online at cooksgoto.com. Welcome back to The Edge. All right, folks, welcome back on The Edge. And boy, that Drew Patterson there, and I tell you what, what a, it seems like a lot of fun. And anybody that can help you catch more fish, I'm happy to need, have. I need every advantage I can get, Dan. So. Yeah, that's, no. and you know, he's right, man. There are so many different nuances in a, in a different rod, from a medium to a medium light to a medium heavy to a heavy. And well, I tell you what, uh, it, it's a lot to know. It, it is a lot to know, but I thought he did a great job of, uh, you know, just simplifying it and also making some recommendations, you know, just on a universal rod uh, for uh, those of us uh, that are a little more budget conscious. So uh, great product, great people, and uh, thanks out to Drew. All right. Hey, we got a great question, and it comes from one of our uh, service people overseas. So first off, God bless, and thank you for your service. I believe it's Staff Sergeant William Sherwood, Station over in Iraq. Uh, Bill says, hi, Lou. I'm in Iraq now, and I have all the podcasts to keep me in touch. Thank you for all of them. No, thank you, William. We appreciate you listening. His question is, do shrimp-type baits like Berkeley Gulp Live Shrimp work on freshwater bass? He says he's never tried them. He lives in California now, but will be moving to Virginia when he gets back uh, from his deployment. He will be on the Potomac River uh, at his new base. And Bill or William, you are in great luck because we got Kurt Dove answering this, and he lives on that. Yeah, river. He, he lives right there, and he spent a lot of time. Matter of fact, in season two, just to uh, kind of throw out there, William, to you, um, we filmed the show on the Potomac with Kurt Dove, so that'll kind of help get you set up as, as far as what to expect once you get out there. But basically, Kurt's response is, uh, first, I'd like to thank you for all your sacrifices you have made for me and the rest of us at Bass Edge for allowing us to enjoy your freedoms through your military service, and, uh, of course, all of us second that. When you hit the Potomac, you will have lots of great action. Bring your big rods and your heavy line to wrench those big Potomac bass out of the grass with all kinds of fun lures. I really like to flip creature baits in the grass and throw frogs on the grass mat. I have never used the Berkeley shrimp for Potomac bass because the fish don't inhabit the same environments as shrimp. So you would not be using a bait they see very often, if ever. Generally, the shrimp 
will not move way up the Potomac where the bass live, and the bass just don't move that far into the salt wedge to be around the shrimp. That being said, I would bet if you threw the Berkeley shrimp bait on the river, you would get some action. I just don't think you could find it to be your best bait. Uh, in parentheses, I've been proven wrong before, though lots of love. So uh, I would concentrate on crawfish imitating lures like jigs and plastic craws. My secondary choice would be frogs. Hope to see you out there on the river. Thanks so much. And that is from uh, BASS Elite Pro and Potomac resident, Mr. Kurt Dove. All right, man. Thank you, Kurt. And thank you, uh, William. I hope that helps you out and you get back safe, man. And thanks so much for listening to the podcast. I, I tell you what, I, I remember when I was in a long, 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 long time ago. And uh, when I was uh, over places, and it's so nice. Uh, my, they, I used to, remember Casey? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I used to get uh, JC and Joe Mama Mason used to be on K. This was back like in the early 80s. And my friends would send me tapes of them over when I was out with the Navy. And it was so nice because it was like having a part of home right there with you. Sure, sure. Well, and and with that being said, I think um, coming up, I believe it's going to be the week of September 27th. We will actually have uh, another interview live from Iraq with uh, Major Cody Robertson with the Army Bass Anglers. Uh, He's on deployment there. So. Right. No, I, I I agree. I mean, any time that you can stay in touch, and I just cannot imagine. Uh, it's a different world, man. But, hey, listen, thank you guys. And for all you uh, people out there uh, that are in our armed services, thank you, and God bless. Stay safe and get home as quick as you can. We miss you, and thank you for your service. No question. Hey, you know what? we got to tell everybody, don't forget to check out the latest Bass Edge merchandise. Uh, the potholders out yet? Uh, no, they're they're forthcoming. We do have your apron, though. <laughs> well, hey, I'm telling you, man, you get you some big old fluffy pot uh, pot holders, you know, and have some Bass Edge logos there when people are out there frying and, and doing their grilling and stuff. You'd sell a heck of a lot of them. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. You would. People uh, love that stuff. Okay. Hey, uh, you can also check up on the e-newsletter. I know that's up to date because I looked on that as I was doing my radio show last night. Yeah. And uh, we for prize giveaways, please, again, and we're not trying to yell at you, anybody, but uh, please put your shipping information in there for the prize giveaways because we can't send it to you if we don't know how to get it to you. That's right. I mean, that's as easy as I can say it. How's the Ask the Pro section doing? Oh, it's, uh, I tell you what, we've gotten more questions now. It's, it's like uh, everybody's been sending in, in their questions, and that's growing each and every week. But one of the things, we're actually getting a lot more answers that's coming back because, like I've mentioned on here before, you know, uh, a lot of the tours now have really slacked off. You know, BASS is over until the Classic starts again. The FLW Tour, they had their championship. The series and some strain events are still going on. But uh, I think everybody, all the anglers are back in uh, checking their email and getting caught up on that. So uh, make sure you keep sending those questions in and uh, keep listening and checking the website and all uh, the different areas because we post those in multiple places. All right. Who's up on Bathos next week, Aaron? Next week, we have FLW Pro and legend Dion Hibden, and then also uh, Dr. Fish, Jay McNamara, for uh, the Inside Edge installment. Well, that's exciting. Yeah. yeah One-two well, punch there. I'm excited. Yeah. Anything you need to get out there before we get out of here? No, I just, uh, you know, I think school is in officially in session uh, pretty much around the country, so... Uh, yeah, did sure you hear not... that big conjoined... Uh, at about 7.45, 8.15, that big yeehaw. Oh, yeah. Throughout the country. <laughs> yeah. The yeehaw that was heard around the world. Well, I started, you know, a little bit earlier before I left to go to California, so it, it started back in August. But, uh, you know, just kind of a reminder that uh, when you're driving, be careful for kids around school buses, all that type of stuff. So. Yeah. Man, I'm kidding. I miss my kids. <laughs> all right, man, we'll be back uh, next week for another podcast. Uh, well, hopefully I will. I'm, I'm actually leaving to go bear hunting here in a couple of days, so if I, uh, if I make it through bear country alive, I'll be back. All right, well. 
take lots of mosquito spray. Thermocell. Thermocell. There you go. Thermocell. No spray. Thermocell. I like Keyboard that better. There. It's all natural. We're on the green. No <laughs> There you go. Yep. Going green here Going on green. the edge. We hey, are. folks, this is for Aaron Martin. This is Outdoors Dan. We'll see you next time right here on the edge. Bass Edge would like to thank the following sponsors who make the Edge audio program possible. Ditch Witch, Mother's Waxes and Polishes, B&W Trailer Hitches, MegaWare Keel Guard, Cook's Tackle Management Systems, Ardent, Rule the Water, Legend Boats, O'Reilly Auto Parts, Superstar Batteries, and the Clarks Hill Partnership of Georgia. For more information on Bass Edge, including our television show, training materials, e-newsletter, and podcast, please visit www.bassedge.com. Be sure to join us next week on The Edge.